0: everybody? Yes, sir. Here we go. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Whatever we fear the most. What do you fear the most? In Harry Potter, they had a thing. If you open up the box, it would show you everything you feared the most. Sometimes we do fear a lot of things. So there's a story about a guy flying a plane. Here's, let me tell you this story. So there is no situation I can get into that God cannot get me out. Some years ago, this is not me by the way, some years ago when I was learning to fly, my instructor told me to put the plane into a steep and extended dive. I was totally unprepared for what was about to happen. Dad, you, I remember you telling me stories like this. And the Mighty Mouse After a brief time, the engine stalled, because you know, when you go straight up for a while, eventually the engine's going to stall. And the plane began to plunge out of control. It soon became evident that the instructor was going to not help me at all. After a few seconds, which seemed like an eternity, my mind began to uh, function again, and I quickly corrected the situation. Immediately, I turned to the instructor and began to vent my fearful fearful frustrations on him. He very calmly said to me, There is no position you can get this plane into that I cannot get you out of. If you want to learn to fly, go up there and do it again. At that moment, God seemed to be saying to me, Remember this, as you serve me, there is no situation you can get yourself into that I cannot get you out of. If you trust me, you will be alright. That lesson has proven true in my ministry many, many times over the years. Have, how many times in the years that you've been alive have you found yourself in a situation you felt God wasn't able to get you out of? I know this microphone sucks. Yeah, something go, to t- go high, way high. I don't think it, I don't know if it matters. We'll see. So, In your life, are there situations or circumstances you found yourself in where you felt like God was not able to get you out of? I can probably give you all kinds of different stories in my life where I didn't feel like God was going to be able to get me out of things. I felt like I was stuck between a rock and a hard place. I felt like I was in too deep. I suspect if I gave you a few minutes to think about it as you're taking notes so diligently, I'm sure, you could probably come up with a couple of times in your life when God has got you in a place where you felt stuck between a rock and a hard place. Sometimes we feel like we're free falling and God is standing back just watching it happen, just watching the playback of our lives, allowing whatever it is to happen to us. And sometimes we start to wonder, our mind starts to wander. Does God really care? Where is God when I'm hurting? Where is God when everything seems to be going out of control? Where is God right now? Is He really able to take care of me like He promised? Is God really able to do the things that He says He can do? Or am I really on my own this time? If you've ever felt like that, if you've ever had thoughts like that enter into your mind as you go through the events of life, you're not alone. There's a group of guys that went through a very similar time like this in the Bible where they felt like God had just abandoned them and left them on their own. And why would Jesus do this to them? Doesn't he care about them? Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. Let's read this story of a time when the disciples felt like Jesus just totally left them hanging. Verse 35, on the same day when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into the boat so that there was, it was already filling. But he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? God wants you to trust Jesus through the storm. The storms of life, the events of life that look like storms as they billow up in our lives, God wants you to trust in Jesus through the storm. And there's three opportunities here that the disciples have to trust Jesus. The first opportunity, verses 35 through 37, is a question of formation. This first opportunity is getting in the craft. Second opportunity, verses 38 and 39, is a question of fear. The second opportunity is getting through the commotion. The third opportunity, verses 40 and 41, a question of faith. This third opportunity is getting it correct. So as we begin this story, verse 35, on the same day... Presumably the day would be when they were going through these parables on that same day at the evening time. He said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Now what's interesting to me about this very first command, it's very simple. You know, it's really easy to trust in Jesus when the commands are simple. This is an easy one. Who's he talking to here guys? What's the profession of most of these people? Fishermen, sea travelers, these people know what boats are like. these people know how to sail, they know how to get into the water, they know what Lake Galilee is like. They understand that sometimes there's storms, sometimes it's great. they know they are fishermen. they understand how all this works. So when Jesus says, "Get into the boat, let's cross to the other side." whoo, okay, we can do this one) <laughs> I can follow Jesus when the commands are easy. You ever feel that way? Lord, if you just tell me to just walk from here to my bedroom and lay down. Lord, if that's as hard as my commands are today from you, I think I will be 100% following you today. Pretty easy. A question of formation. Are they going to do what Jesus says? In spite of whatever they feel like doing at that time, when it's easy, it's very important for us to get in line with Jesus, follow the formation, do exactly what he says. Let's get into a boat. Let's cross to the other side. Got it. You know, what are those things in your life? If Jesus were to ask you to do them, they'd be just no brainer things. You have anything like that in your life? I hope you do. I hope there are things in your life that when Jesus asks you to do them, that you're just going to do that. Just like these disciples are fishermen. They They do this anyway. (laughs) Now, when they left the multitudes, they took him along in the boat as he was. And other little boats were also with him. So they decide they're just going to do this. Let's follow Jesus. This is really easy. This is no big deal. We're going to get into this boat just like he says. This is easy. We'll get into the boat. And a great windstorm arose. And the waves beat into the boat so that it was already filling. Now remember, these guys are experienced sailors. They're experienced fishermen. I wonder, as I speculate, you ever speculate when you read and you're wondering, I wonder if these guys have ever had a storm like this before. They've clearly been out on this lake before. Have they ever experienced a storm like this before? I wonder if they have. Certainly they've experienced storms kind of like this before. Did they get bent out of shape like this in those times? Or are they just mad because Jesus is there and he's not doing anything? (laughs) or so they think. The boat's filling with water. Imagine this, it's evening time. This is not during the day. It's maybe at night, probably getting dark. It's hard to see. You can't really tell if, you know, when when it's daytime out and you see the storm clouds coming, you can at least see something. This is nighttime. It's hard to see. It's evening. How hard is it going to storm? Did they see the clouds rolling in? I don't know. But the storm is causing water to come onto the boat. But they were faithful to Jesus. So far, so good. Jesus said, get in the boat, and so they did. They were in formation at that time. The opportunity was easy for them to follow Jesus. But as we get to verses 38 and 39, this question of fear starts to pop up. They start to wonder. The the text almost kind of alludes to the fact that they're starting to wonder where Jesus is at. What is Jesus doing? Maybe as you're reading this and you're seeing these disciples getting into this boat, going out onto the sea, and you hear about this storm, what's one of the first questions you might have as you wonder about this story? I wonder where Jesus is. What do you think Jesus is doing? While this storm is billowing out there, the water is filling the boat, the disciples, these experienced fishermen, are starting to panic. Where's Jesus at? Because as we go through the storms of life, one of the first questions that often gets asked is, where's God? Where is God when this is going on? Where is God in Afghanistan? Did you ever ask yourself that? The tragedies that's going on in Afghanistan, where's God? Something happens in your life that you don't like that doesn't seem fair? First question you're going to ask, where's God in this? Does God care? Is God around? Is God really paying attention to my situation? Is God paying attention to what's going on in my life? This is my family we're talking about here. Where's God at? And as we read this story, maybe you're wondering to yourself, where's Jesus at? Is he just going to let these experienced fishermen deal with this storm on their own? Where's Jesus at? Verse 38, this question of fear starts to arise. But he was in the stern. Asleep. Now, did you catch the, this qualifier here? Not only is he asleep, but what does it say next? On a pillow. Did this little booger plan this nap? He planned this, didn't he? He knew he was going to fall asleep. He knew this was going to happen. He was asleep on a pillow. He didn't just fall asleep on the floor just exhausted. He would have found this pillow. Maybe he knew there was a pillow in the stern. And that's why he went there. Did he know there was going to be a storm? Did he know there was going to be a pillow there in the stern? It's evening time. I wonder if he's tired. He's been teaching all day. Poor guy's probably exhausted. And he leaves these poor fishermen, these poor disciples, all on their own to fend for themselves. What a guy, huh? Where's Jesus in the midst of the storms? Asleep on a pillow. Do these disciples really think that Jesus is going to allow all of them to die by storm in the middle of Lake Galilee? Do you think Jesus is not able to take care of himself even when he's asleep? How powerless do you think Jesus really is? I believe that my Savior is so powerful that even if he was sleeping... He could probably take care of me better than I can take care of me. Do you agree with that statement? Even sleeping, he can take care of me better than I can take care of me, fully rested and awake. Yet, these disciples are fearful out of their minds. Experienced fishermen out on Lake Galilee with a Savior in their midst can hardly handle this. How many times do you identify with the disciples, huh? (laughs) Because as we go through the trials of life, even though the Savior is right with us, because he said something about never leaving us, didn't he? Did anybody else read that at some point? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you always until the end of the age. He sits at the right hand of God the Father right now. Do you believe that? And He lives forevermore at the right hand of God the Father to intercede for you. And He forever lives to make intercession for you. He pleads your case on your behalf to God the Father. And when you feel the lowest, is when He's the strongest. Tell me about your Savior. Even sleeping, he's more powerful than I could ever imagine. And if that man wants to sleep, (laughs) I say we let him. (laughs) He's got it, guys. He's fine. And he'll take care of us through the most difficult storms of life, and he could do so better sleeping than we can fully awake. But these guys are so afraid. This opportunity to trust Jesus, this second opportunity, getting through the commotion, how do you grade him this time? You know, it's real easy to trust Jesus that he can take care of us when the commands are easy. Get into the boat, fisherman. <laughs> no problem. That's really easy to trust him. What about when the storms are brewing and he's down in the stern asleep? Do you trust him then? Is it just as easy to trust Him at that point in life? What is the answer to that question, guys? Is it just as easy to trust Jesus in that moment as it was the first opportunity? Yes. Yes. Is everybody else awake? Thank you, June. Is anybody else awake? Yes. It is just as easy to trust Jesus in the commotion of the storm when He's asleep in the stern As it was that first opportunity when he asked them to do something that they've done a million times. It is just as easy. But this is when they start to fail and it's when we start to fail. The commotions of life get a little too overwhelming for us. We start to wonder. We start to put our own trust in our own selves. And we forget so quickly that a sleeping savior is more able to take care of us than we at our best strength. And I don't think they did as good this second time as they did the first time. Verse forty. Well actually verse thirty nine. After they ask him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? They go down into the stern. They wake him up. I don't know if they they push cold water on him. They must have had plenty from the water coming into the boat. Did they take some of that water, splash it on him? Did they push him? Did they wake him up? Did they pull him up? They take the blankets off him. They pull the pillow off from underneath his head. I don't know how they woke him up. Teacher, do you not know or care that we're perishing? He arose and he just chewed him out. Is that what it says? We might want it to say that. He yells at him and says, Guys, don't you believe in the Savior? I can take care of anything. Is that what he says? No, that's not what it says. He arose and he rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Two seconds, it's all over. All this worry... Through all of this commotion, all of this effort that these disciples are putting into dealing with this commotion of the storm, Jesus gets up and in two seconds, it's over. Just like that. How much of us spend so much time worrying about so much commotion and the power of our Savior can take care of it in about two seconds? Peace be still and the wind ceased. It's a lot harder to trust when it's on our terms. Or so we think. Or so we live out so many times. So I've seen a question of formation, that first opportunity, getting into the craft. A question of fear, the second opportunity, getting through the commotion And this third opportunity, verses 40 and 41, a question of faith. This third opportunity, getting it correct. Verse 40, he said to them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? What is the correlation between fear and faith? As they're going through that storm, these experienced rugged fishermen should have known how to handle this. I'd like to think that they've been through a couple of storms in their days. At least one of them had to have been. Sea of Galilee was known for its storms. That wasn't the first storm that had ever happened on Lake Galilee. Why are you so fearful? You ever stop to wonder if that's what he would say to us as we're going through some of these events of life? Something happens to you that you don't like? maybe you lost a job, maybe something happened, and you start to question things, I wonder where Jesus is at, I bet he's asleep at the stern, lost my job, Jesus is asleep at the stern, obviously that's what's going on, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Don't you believe that I can take care of this stuff? Don't you believe that I'm more powerful than the wind and the waves? Do you not believe that I'm more powerful than the storm that surrounds us? All of these events that happen in our lives, Jesus is more powerful than any of them. And yet we almost refuse to have faith that he's able to take care of these things. This third opportunity for them is this Will they get it correct? Will their faith be placed correctly? Will their faith be placed in what Jesus can do or in who Jesus is? There's a major difference between those two ideas. The crowds, as we've studied before, place their faith in Jesus because of what he can do. The meals that they can get. We'll see in a few chapters the feeding of the 5,000. These crowds come back because of what they can get. What can Jesus do? And if Jesus can do this or do that, maybe I'm in. But let me challenge you today. Our Savior wants to just be, he's just one to be believed in. Not necessarily because of what he can do, but because of who he is. He is the Savior of mankind. He is the Son of God. If that doesn't get you to believe in him, none of his works will. And we see that with the crowds over and over and over again. The Pharisees say, we seek a sign. And Jesus will tell them, I can give you a million signs. They ain't going to make no bit of difference. You need to believe in me for who I am, the Christ, the Son of God. Remember, that's what he asked Peter in Matthew chapter 16, who do men say that I am? You're not just a feeder of the 5,000. What did Peter say? You are the Christ. And you can just see Jesus going, ah, finally, they get it. Or at least he gets it. Do you see Jesus as just simply one who can calm the storms in your life? Or do you see Jesus as the risen Son of God who is able to redeem you from all of your sins? These guys had this third opportunity to place their faith in Jesus, to trust him in the midst of this storm and get it correct finally. And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who is this that can even, that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, they were afraid of this storm. They needed to realize that there's one more powerful than this storm. These storms that happen in our life seem really big and really overwhelming and really big, like, I just don't even know if I can handle this. And we sometimes will we'll start to retreat and we'll start to worry about all kinds of stuff. Do you realize that there's one larger than these events of life that can handle those events of life? He could even handle it sleeping at the stern. Is that who your faith is in? These disciples had this last chance to get it right. This question of faith, it's on his terms, not our terms, and not just when it's easy. We need to believe in him for who He is. Who does he say that he is? Not just what do we want out of him? Can we just get a buzz on this old Jesus thing? Can he just give me if he gives me a million dollars, I'll think about it. You know, if he gives me this or gives me that, I'll think about it. You know, maybe I'll go to church if this happens. No. Who is Jesus? Is he one mightier than the storms of your life? Is he one that you can place your faith in for salvation? Is he the one that's able to forgive you of all of your sins? Is he one that goes to heaven to prepare a place for you? Or is he just this like man upstairs who just can give you stuff whenever you tell him to? Our idea of who Jesus is is really challenged in this passage. And I hope it forces us to see Jesus as who he really is As we go through the storms of life, sometimes God puts you in a place in life where he wants you to take the plane up high so it'll stall out so that in the midst of what's going on, you'll learn to trust him for who he really is and not just what he can do. It's our challenge for us today. Believe in Jesus for who He really is, not just what He can do. And trust Him through the storm. Not what He can do in the storm, but trust Jesus in the storms of life. Let's pray.